Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Life in the Mundane. The podcast that is not afraid to tackle the difficult topics in marriage and parenting from a biblical perspective in hopes of encouraging you to make the most of little moments in these important relationships. Join us each week as we share advice from our unique perspective as second-generation homeschoolers who got married young, had six kids in nine years, and have been through many ups and downs over the last 13 years of marriage. We know that navigating these relationships is not easy, but we also know that if God has called you to it, He will equip you for it. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about something that's very near and dear to our hearts, something that's very important to us, something that we've mentioned in, I think, every episode such far, yeah. <laughs> thus far, and it's just something that is so very important that we felt like we should dedicate an episode and kind of tell you our story of how we've come to the point we're at with it. Katie, what, what would that be? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about personal devotions and family worship, like the importance of it, but also just the struggle and how we have come through. God has brought us through a lot of different things to get to the place where we are at, which is definitely not a perfect place, but it is a so much better place, which is the beauty of the Christian walk. <laughs> yes, uh, we definitely have peaks and troughs in our current walk, but uh, this is something that in whatever season of life you're in is so important and so vital to your walk. Really, let's let's define why we need to have personal devotions. In order to understand our Lord, we need to be going over the words he gave us. He gave us the Bible as the inerrant word come from him. So that is a direct line of communication from God to us. It's the Bible. And if we're not studying it, we don't know what he says. Yeah, absolutely. So your personal devotion time is your time with God, your time, not reading commentaries on things, not just spending time, you know, processing things through other people, but being in direct communication with God, like understanding exactly what he said. And while those other things can be great tools that we can use, this is such a privilege for years, many generations didn't even have access to Bibles, or many, even people today still don't have it in their language, and we have access to that. And so carving out time in our day to spend time with God, it's also a way of showing our priority to God, that we, you know, we put that time with Him first, because as we've talked about in most every episode, as we grow closer to Christ, we will grow closer to those others around us, that we will connect to those very important family relationships that we've been talking about, and we'll bring glory to Him. So what is family worship? Family worship is really coming together and worshiping God as a family. Uh, For different families, this will look different. I mean, I can look back at family worship for me growing up. It was was very simple. I mean, my parents got a devotional in the mail every month. We went through it every night. My parents were great about be, about that consistency if we didn't miss a night. And if we did, we doubled up the next night. But if we missed more than two nights, it was a big deal because it was consistent. It was important to us, but it was simple. My dad read the text that the devotional had. He read the devotional that went through it. We read the prayer, and that was it. Like I said, super simple. It doesn't have to be complex. And the, the big thing that I learned from my parents was consistency, consistency. It's such an important thing. 
And it was so neat to see that that was like a central thing in your family. Like that was a foundational thing that didn't move, that didn't change. Other things got worked around that versus the other way around versus you trying to squeeze in that time. For my family growing up, family worship looked really different. Um, For us, it was more complex. It was singing hymns. It was working on catechism. It was reading God's word. It was discussing God's word. It was a super rich time. Like it was like a mini worship service, (laughs) so to speak. And it was awesome. And I loved it. But it was more inconsistent. And, um, you know, my dad would totally say that (laughs) to this day. He would say that that's one of his biggest regrets is that that wasn't, you know, that we didn't have that more consistently. And so we would definitely have it, um, you know, every week, but it wasn't every day. And so that has always been a hardship. And we're going to talk about that, about what that's looked like, the hardship and the struggle in our family. But it is important because it helps us grow closer to Christ. It helps us to know what he says. We can't know what he says if we're not in his word. And it helps us to show to our kids and to even in our own lives to carve out that time to show that Christ is the most important relationship that we will ever have. This is not something that necessarily comes natural to us. Also, this is something that Satan wants to keep us from. As I said, this is one of the direct methods we have of being with God, of talking with God. It's being in his word. And Satan does not want you to be in his word because guess what? If you're in his word, you know what he's saying. Yeah. Um, so there are struggles. Um, one of the big struggles I had with family worship right after we got married was um, we just discussed the difference between what Katie's family worship was growing up and what my family worship was growing up. Well, during our dating courtship period, I was able to sit on on quite a few of their family worship sessions. And I heard these, I mean, 45-minute family yeah. worship times <laughs> and went, this is what she's expecting, and I don't know how to do this. I was intimidated. I was scared. And rather than trying to do something, I went, I don't know how to do that. I don't want to fail her, so I'm not doing anything. That was wrong, but that's where my mind was at. Yeah, and I struggled because I wanted to have that again. And I realized as I was struggling with that, as I, I struggled with nagging Mark, with being like, well, aren't you going to do family worship? What are you, aren't you do this? Or he would maybe, maybe he would open up the Bible and he would start to read to our family. And then I'd be like, well, aren't we going to sing a song? Aren't we going to do this? You know, and I would kind of, I'd be critical. And looking back, you know, I'm so ashamed of that time period and of my thoughts and feelings about that because it wasn't even that I wanted what I had grown up with because it was such a rich time communing with God. And I wanted to, to do that again. It was really, if I, if I'm honest with myself, it was because I was like, this is the way it's supposed to be, or this is what good husbands do, or this is, you know what I mean? It was a sense of keeping up with the Joneses. It was that sense of comparing myself or, you know, wanting what I grew up with. And so I feel like it was really not even evident to me until much later that I was struggling with that comparison game, that I was struggling with that. Now, what about in personal devotions? Like, what was the struggle there for you? Well, I'm going to go back to just as a child with that. Um, Personal devotions was never, it was always taught to me as something important. I mean, I've always known from church, from Sunday school, from youth group, from my parents, from this is important. You need to do this every day. I 
always struggled making it a habit. Mm-hmm. It, it's been a struggle my entire life for it to be a habit. Um, so much so that I, I can't say I consistently did it for more than a month until just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so for me, that consistency of doing it daily, being in the word daily, it, it's a battle. It really, even now, it's a battle. Yeah. And I think I had a very similar situation of it, it was definitely taught that this is what we should do. My parents were very good at doing personal devotions, um, but it was something that I didn't establish those habits young, and I wish I would have because I think it would have made it easier. And it was it was a real hardship, and it was hard for me too watching my husband who was not always in the Word every day. Like we were reading our Bibles, but just not that consistent discipline of doing it every day. And it's like a muscle that has to be worked out. It's got to be strengthened by repetitive movements, you know? And um, I remember thinking as like a young married, like, well, you know, yeah, I'm not in my Bible, but if my husband was reading his word, you know, like I would probably be more likely to read mine. Like, (laughs) Well, and you'd sit there and I mean, we'd be going, have you done your devotions yet today? And I just feel this tremendous amount of guilt on, uh, no, I'm failing her again. I haven't done this. I haven't made this priority, but I'm exhausted and I have to wake up early in the next morning. And I'm not saying that's the right excuse, but those are the things that went through my head of, I felt like I was a failing her because she had this expectation of me and I wasn't doing it. And it, that that was the wrong attitude because my focus was on Katie yeah. and not on God. Yeah. And I think that guilt is something that Satan uses. Mark said earlier that Satan does not want you in God's word. Guilt is something that he uses almost every time because it's a really effective tool to dissuade somebody from doing something. If you can make you guilty, either feeling like you're not doing it enough, you're not doing it right, then you might as well not do it at all. It's kind of the the lie that Satan whispers in your ear and for many areas of life. And so he used that as a wedge to create between you know, his Mark's time with God and himself. And for me too, I mean, I would feel guilt. I would start, I'm, I am a goal setter. <laughs> so I would start a read a year, read a Bible in a year plan and I would be strong and I would be good. And then I would miss several days and I would try to catch up and I couldn't. And then to me, I was like, well, if I can't hit my goal, then what's the point? <laughs> and again, the whole problem with all of these issues is that they are focused on the to-do list, the checklist item, of checking off reading your Bible, which was my struggle, or Mark's struggle with wanting to please or do what was right, like what looked right, instead of us or, being well, focused what on Christ. Right, or what pleased someone. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I struggle with people pleasing. I always <laughs> have. And so when that was a struggle was pleasing someone more than my relationship with God or yeah. pleasing God. So how did we get there? How did we go from feeling guilty, inadequate? How did we go from nagging and feeling like it was a checklist to actually, you know, making real change here? Uh, First things first, I have to say it's nothing that we did. It was a change God worked in us. I want to be abundantly clear of this is not a how to read your Bible (laughs) in, no. Yeah. We did not do this. God did this in us. Yes. And some of the ways he did that, some of the ways he worked in that, in that change of heart was when we started to get honest about 
our thing. You know, I don't think we understood all of those sins that we're sharing with oh, you no, no, not fully the in the moment. But when we started to get honest with God and to say, God, I'm being manipulative. God, I'm trying to control my husband. I'm trying to make him feel guilty for something that he's not doing when I'm not even being faithful and doing what you've called me to do. There's a lot of confession of sin and just pouring out, like I know for me, my heart to God and saying, God, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to make me more consistent or how to get him to do what I want him to do. Well, and I definitely think you reached this point before I did. Yeah, I did. Um, Because, I mean, we've described, well, you've described in past episodes of just buying resources for me to use in worship or read. And I didn't use them. And then, I mean, that stopped. Yeah. And I, so I think I came to a point of saying, okay, God, I see the problem. I have no idea what the solution is. And I think that's where I needed to get to so that God could take all the glory for it. Because if I had done anything else, I would have been like, well, here are the steps for how to get your husband to do family worship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I, let's see, four, four or so, maybe five years ago for me, um, I, I was, I had confessed, like God was changing my heart. That's really what it comes Mm -hmm. down to is God was changing my heart. And I was realizing I'm not in his word. I'm not, I mean, we were in, we are in the same church. We're in a very good church, very much encourages family worship and family devotions and personal devotions. And I was at a point where I was like, I'm not studying his word. I have the blessing of I've grown up in a very solid church with very solid teaching my entire life. I can go over and talk many, many, many concepts but that's just because it's been an immersion, not a study. Mm-hmm. And I was con- convicted of, I say I believe these things, but I only know what other people have told me. I have not dug in to see what this says for myself. Yeah, you could give all the perfect Sunday school answers. Well, I could. But I could even give the, I could even give the Sunday school answers that were above the Sunday school answers. Yeah, that the above sounded, average. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it wasn't something that I had studied for myself. Yeah. Um, and it was really God coming in and convicting me of, okay, you need to do this. So I remember it was actually, um, I'm almost embarrassed to say this part, but it was, it was end of December. I went, I'm going to start this new year and I want to get consistent with my Bible study. Now I've tried the read the Bible in a year programs many times. And I get about halfway through January, I get through the end of the story part of Genesis, and I flop. I stop. And then the guilt kicks in, and that's gone. Because there's no catching up for me at that point. And so I went, okay, I'm. let's try to get away from this. Let's try to get away from this guilt, get away from this program that I've tried several times. Because the ones I've tried have all been pretty similar. And I mm-hmm. said... Let me find something that will help me to ease the guilt, something that's not quite so rigid. And just for me, that's what I needed. So I, I expressed to Katie what I was looking for, and she went and helped me and found me this. Um, what it really was was a read the Bible in a year. And it said, okay, in the month of January, you need to have read through these books. In the month of February, you need to have read through these books. And, and Like no daily breakdown, just no, the month cover this however you want to cover it. And for me, I told Katie, I said, I'm going to start out by reading 
five chapters a night. I said, I don't know how far that's going to get me. I don't know how successful that's going to be. I said, but I'm going to read five chapters a night. And so I started with five chapters a night. And Genesis and Exodus, sometimes five chapters is a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I did it. I said, okay, five chapters. And I did it. And I did it. And I got done. And I I was about two-thirds of the way through January, and I was done. I went, well, I've got this consistency. I don't want to stop and say I'm done with January. So I just moved on to February's, and I kept going. And I kept going. And about March, I went, hold on. If I just add a little bit more, I could have read through the Bible in six months. And so I started reading seven or eight chapters a night. Um jumping back and forth between the old and the new testament and i i got the i had the bible completed in less than six months which i which is not an easy thing to do this is not a bragging thing this is not yeah and it's not that there's any magical thing i know we keep referencing like read a bible in a year read the bible in six months there's nothing magical about that number or about that accomplishment per se but it's just that commitment to to pouring into god's word and i think what ultimately the reason why it worked was not because the plan was so amazing it wasn't like oh well if you've always felt on the other one definitely try this and then it'll all no, magically no. work like mark said it's that change in the heart and i think too it's the leaning into it i think a lot of times when we feel inadequate when we feel like when we're struggling to fit something when we struggle to fit something into our schedule we tend to say okay well maybe if i just add just just a little bit at a time and and there's nothing wrong with that sometimes that is the method that needs to work but i think when it is something that God is calling you to do, <laughs> a lot of times you just have to jump all in. Yes. And yeah, and I would definitely agree with that. That and immersion that, therapy, so to speak. Well, or, or do something that can give you a quick sense of accomplishment. I mean, when, when I want to, when I'm, when I'm struggling, because I still struggle at times for keeping consistently, when I'm struggling, oftentimes I'll jump in and I'll start in Galatians or Ephesians. It's six chapters for the whole book. And those books, they're letters. They're meant to be read in one sitting. Guess what? It'll only take you 15 to 20 minutes to read the whole thing. It does not take that long. If you, And you get done, and one, you get a better picture of what's all right there because you sat down and read it all at once. And two, you accomplish something. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that there is a sense of because it is all about the change in your heart, prayer is always the first part. Confess your sins, pray to God for help, pray for that change, and then show up, (laughs) show up and persevere. Just open your Bible and start, whether it's a reading plan, whether you're just going to read through the letters, whether you're going to read a lot or a little, just start reading and carving out that time. Start thinking about your schedule differently. This is what I had to do. I, like I said, I always thought of it as a checklist item. If I didn't check it off, I felt guilty. If I did check it off, I felt accomplished, but it was always something that just landed on my day. And if it fit, it fit. And if it didn't, it didn't. And I had to start changing my mindset to say, this is the most, like if nothing else gets done, (laughs) this is going to get done. And, um, when I started putting that first, the other things fell into place, which we could talk about more about that later. But I just think it's important to start realizing that we need to show up. We need to build that habit. Like I said, it's a muscle. And then God is the only one that can give you that thirst and that hunger for God's word. God is the only one that's going to make that an enjoyable time. It's okay to kind of fake it till you make it, so to speak. When you are praying, when you are, when you are asking the Holy Spirit for guidance, you're like, change my heart. But you know what, God, until you change my heart, I'm just going to keep obeying. 
and I'm going to keep obeying and obeying and be faithful to obey. And I know you will be faithful to do what you've promised to do. And the the Holy Spirit will work in your heart and help you yearn for that closeness, for that relationship. I say, as I was actually going through this, working on my personal devotions, you know what else happened? Our family worship became more consistent, mm-hmm. more regular, more a little fuller. Um, I had to, I got away from that expectation of I need to do a mini worship service, which I'm not saying is bad. I mean, not at all. And we've um, actually gotten more toward that point yes, now. Yes, <laughs> yes. But being in the Bible consistently, sitting there and breaking it down for your kids so that they understand what is being said. Yeah. Uh, even if you're having to stop every half verse and go, this is what this means. That I mean, when when he said this, well, the person he is saying is actually God, or it's sitting down and breaking down these concepts into phrases your kids can understand. And so I think that's the thing is that it overflows. You're faithful, you're obedient in your personal devotions with the Lord, with your walk with the Lord personally. And then that overflows. So for me, I, God changed my heart first. He helped me to be in the word myself first and to realize that I needed to stop worrying about Mark's walk of life. I mean, I could pray about it and I did, but I needed to stop having my eyes over here, looking at the speck in his eye when I had a big old log in my own eye and start taking responsibility for what he had called me to do. And then that overflowed And Mark was encouraged to do his devotions. And then that overflowed into our family worship. And that being a more rich time, him getting away, like he said, from those expectations and us really making it, you know, what worked for our family in that season. And different seasons call for different kinds of family worship. Some are shorter, some are longer. Our kids are getting older. So we are starting to get to a more long, rich amount of family devotions. But it's just about showing up and being in the word with God and encouraging your kids then in their walk with the Lord to encourage them to do that. And I'd love to talk about that later in another episode about how we can encourage our kids to be in the word personally and how we study the Bible together. I think that would be a great episode to possibly cover. But I think it's important as you go through this that you encourage your spouse. Yes, encourage your spouse. Do devotions with your spouse. I know we've had times where we'll have uh, instead of a personal devotion, we'll have a couple devotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if you can do both, that's great. But there have been times where that has been our personal devotions. It's been a couple's devotion. I mean, if you need to do, if you need to do a devotional, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having an aid in your devotions. If you don't know where to start, if you don't know what to do, the important thing is making sure that the Bible is part of it that the focus is on the word of god not this separate devotional yeah not a devotional that just makes you feel good and teaches you something about the bible but you're not actually in the word yourself yes and so it's one of those um there was a comment made earlier in this episode of of these other things that might make us feel good there's nothing wrong with using supplements i I like to use a book of prayers from the puritans sometimes when i pray i I use devotions or devotionals or commentaries with it. There's nothing wrong with those, but don't let those get in the way of actually being in the Word. Mm -hmm. They're a tool. They shouldn't be a hindrance or distraction. 
And I think we, we will link in the show notes, we'll link a few of our favorite resources for family worship. Mark has some really good books that he has liked, um, some that like really explain what family worship is and different ways it can look. Um, some are shorter and longer. We'll put all that in the show notes for you guys so you guys can check that out. Um, there's also a book that we'll put in the show notes that um, really helps walk you through if you're new to all of this. If you're like, I've never done family worship in my life. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know how to talk to my kids about the Bible um, or yourself. Like, I don't know what questions to ask. There's a great book that takes pretty much every book of the Bible, every chapter in every book, breaks it down, gives you a little summary, and then gives you some questions to ask. And it's actually designed for family worship to be like, okay, here's some questions for reflection. And so that might be something you want to use in personal worship. That might be something you want to use in family devotions. Um, but that could be a really helpful aid now that Mark's done it so much. He doesn't need it as much because he's like, okay, I've now gotten used to the kinds of questions we ask, the kinds of things we go over. But it was a helpful aid in the beginning. Yeah, well, and having aids and having different aids for different questions for different ages for your kids. I yes. <laughs> right now, I'll sit down and I'll, I'll ask the kids different questions and I'll start it with the oldest and I'll get to the youngest. Well, the question I'm asking our oldest three and the question I'm asking my youngest are completely different. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask my youngest something that they can have picked up just from listening and more observation. Yeah. More observation details, but I'm going to be asking my older ones. What do you think the text is trying to convey? Yeah. And I'm going to, be pushing my older ones take the time to try to understand what is trying to, what is being conveyed and not just taking what's on the surface. Yeah, absolutely. And so as we wrap up this episode, I think it's important to just end on the note that we can encourage our kids to mimic this this putting God first by letting them see us do these things, by letting them see us prioritize family worship, by letting them see us prioritize our personal devotions. If you are like, um, if you're like us, Mark does his personal devotions at night before bed. I do mine first thing in the morning. The kids are usually not awake. (laughs) But But when they do wake up, they join her. Yeah, we join, they join in with us. They join in with me or they'll come in and ask for water and Mark will be like, oh, I'm doing my worship. But if you'd like, you can join me. Um, encourage them to join you, but they, they'll see that you prioritize God's word. If you're a homeschool family, even if you're not a homeschool family, reading the Bible in the morning or in the afternoon over lunch, like we, we now are in scripture two to three times a day, every day in different ways. And the more you get into it, the more you want it, the more you crave it. And the more you learn about God. And so we're going to close this out with just encouragement of, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be flashy. Just crack open that Bible and start reading. Like I said, if, if I, I recommend if you need something just to feel accomplished, start with some of the letters where you can sit down and read the whole thing in a short period of time. Those letters are so rich and filled with so much in them. And they're short letters and you can glean so much from them, reading them over and over and over again. Um, I encourage you, really, I just encourage you to start. Uh, I'm going to end with the reminder that we try to give every time. If God's called you to it and he has called you to know him and become like him, but to know him, to understand what he says in his word, if he's called you to do it, pray, ask God to help you, and then just begin.
We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. If you found this helpful, we would love for you to share the podcast and leave a review as it helps spread the word so that hopefully more families can be encouraged to make the most of the little moments in their marriage and parenting. Talk to you again next week. Bye.